0: We've been in Ephesians for a couple years now. We've been jumping in and out through the different chapters and trusting the Lord to speak to us through it. And I'll tell you what, these past three weeks through on off, the Lord has been dealing with me, right? He's been speaking to me, and I hope that it's been true for you as well. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to pick it up in verse 17. We're going to read all the way through 24, a couple recap verses there. And then we're going to spend the majority of our time on verse 24. If you're ready, say, Ready? Ready. If you're hungry, say, Let's eat. eat. Tap the person next to you and say, "Let's Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do it together. Here we go. Now, this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Verse 20 says, but that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. Come on, say this with me. The truth is in Jesus. That's what we stand on today. And if that's not true, let's go home, amen? Let's go back to sleep, let's go do something. But if that's true, we're, we're in the right place today. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Come on, Our, des- our desires sometimes deceive us. Even sometimes when it comes to food, right? Our desires be like, yo, you really want this, but it's deceiving. <laughs> and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. We need to be renewed in the spirit of our minds. We're spiritual beings and our minds are spiritual, and our minds need to be renewed with spiritual things, capital S, spiritual things. If you wanna know more about that, watch last week's sermon at walkchurch.com or on our Walk Church app. To be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and this is where we pick it up today, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. We're gonna be talking about what it looks like and what it means for us to practically, daily, in a rhythm, put on the new self. To put on the new self. Let's lock in and focus in on uh, verse 24. To put on the new self. Father, we ask you right now, Jesus, to help us do this right now. God, give us a distraction-free sermon right now. God, I I pray that our phones would just stop chirping right now our minds would slow down right now, our hearts would settle in right now, give us the grace of concentration to put on the new self. Holy Spirit, help us in Jesus' name, amen, amen, to put on the new self. I love this right here, that there's a real reality in the scripture. That when we enter into a relationship with Jesus, we have a real encounter with the living God, right? The living hope, Jesus himself, right? Jesus is an actual person who's 100% man and 100% God. He's the God-man. When we have a relationship with him by faith in him, we become a new person. It's, it's reality. It's, it's the new self that we're called to walk in. It's the new self that we're called To live in. One of my favorite verses of scripture, especially when I first got saved. I got saved when I was in college. I was uh, far from God. I had never really been to church in my life or really spent time in the Bible before. Uh, I was an idolater of self, sin, and sport, the triple S, right? And uh, I couldn't see past those clouds until God woke me up through a sports ministry called FCA moved the fog so I could see him clearly and I began to enter into a relationship with Jesus, I became a new person in Christ. That, that's my story. And one of my favorite verses that I stand on today is a verse found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. I want, I want to show it to you on the screen. I mem- this was the first ever scripture I ever memorized. I would encourage you to memorize it, to just read it over and over and over again, because if you're in Christ, this is your story. This is your verse. I'm going to give you your verse today. Let's read it together. Ready? One, two, three. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Read that every day, every hour of every day, if you want to, every minute of every day. This is you. Or or if you're not a new person, this needs to be you. You need to be made new. And who doesn't like new things? Come on, right? Like, praise God that we get to be new. You get to start over. You get to hit the reset button and become new. If anyone, I love that word anyone, right? Anyone means anyone not just self-righteous people, not extra holier than thou people, not white people, not black people, not brown people, not green people, I don't care what type of color you want. Uh, anyone means anyone. Greek people. I love when you read about the culture that this was being written in 2000 years ago, right? They're like, anyone. if, if anyone is in Christ, then Paul gives his little description. He's like barbarians, right? <laughs> <laughs> that, was like, Paul was like, you know, even the barbarians can get in Christ, right? And they were like, that's our verse. <laughs> the Scythians, servants free, all types of... He goes, there's stop putting stipulations on who can receive the gospel. Amen? Right? The, the gospel is for anyone, and anyone at any moment can be made new. Right? Doesn't mean that you've arrived as far as like you got everything figured out. It just means that you're a new person. You're a new creation, right? This word he is a, it could could mean he or she right there. That's not a a, a he in the Greek that means only for men. This is for anyone, right? When you're in Christ, when you get in Christ, not when you just know about Christ, like head knowledge can get you there. No, you got to get grafted into the vine. And that happens when you put your faith in Jesus, you become a new creation, a new creation, a new creature. And here's what happens. The old has passed away. That's a prophetic word for somebody in here. It might just be me. The old has passed away. Look at the person next to you and say, friend. The old has passed away. Like, no, look him in the eye and say, for real, for real. The old has passed away. If you're watching this online, the old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. If you're not in Christ, this is good enough reason to get in him. I needed to be made new, and I was able to be made new when I experienced Christ. I don't know of any better way to illustrate this than, than looking at this beautiful insect on the screen. Come on, what what is that right there? It's a caterpillar. Could you imagine being a caterpillar? I mean, just try, just try, just try for a second. Put yourself in a caterpillar's shoes. (laughs) Just go there. I'm looking at it like, is that the head or the... Put yourself as a caterpillar. You're just creeping along, right? Just creeping along on the ground, on plants, just kind of moving through life. This must be my journey. I'm a caterpillar. And one day I just, you know, do caterpillar things. Nobody knows really. I just kind of just, I'm, I can't move too fast. I can't move too slow. I just, I'm just a caterpillar. And then I took a nap one day. Come on, right? <laughs> just, all right, going to sleep, guys. I'll see y'all later. And that, that caterpillar woke up one day. Whoa, what happened to me? Whoosh right? Like all of a sudden, I got wings and a beautiful pattern on me, and I'm flying, and I'm making moves right? That's us that's the life of a christian is is i this was me i I, I was studying caterpillars and um I was looking at what it you know. <laughs> What, what the life cycle of a caterpillar looks like and what does it mean to be a caterpillar? I, I learned that caterpillars, um, they, they're, they're, they're not able to mate. They're not able to reproduce. Uh, their only hope, the caterpillar's only hope to live on to the next life, is to, to just live on in life, is to become a butterfly. If the caterpillar doesn't become a butterfly, it's dead. They only live for a few days. Caterpillars don't live long. They live for about five to 10 days. They creep along, they eat, and their only hope is either I'm about to die, and that, that's my life, or I got a chance of living on if I become a new person. How true is that for us? You, you, come on. You, Lois was about to clap. Lois was like, Should I or should I not? Yes, you can clap, Lois. Come on, right? That's our hope. Our hope is, okay, we can just creep, keep creeping through life, inch by inch, struggling, grinding, just living through the mundane life. I don't really have any purpose. And just, I just must have got, gotten dropped here by the earth. The universe somehow made me. What? No. No, God made you. He created you in his image. He created you on purpose for purpose, and when you discover that, you'll see Jesus can make me new and give me wings, and I can become a new person, and I can start living in a cool, creative way, and I can start flying through this life in a fresh way. I can start seeing things differently. I'm flying. If anyone is in Christ, you become a new creation. I can just imagine this caterpillar one day just being wowed, being amazed, like, what just happened to me? The, the, the best way for you to know if, you, if you're new is if you can recognize what's old. Today, if you're like, you know what, I don't know if this is my story or not. I don't know if I'm old, the old self. I don't know if I'm the new self. I, the chances are you're still the old self. Because the, 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 the caterpillar knows I, I'm no longer that, <laughs> I'm a butterfly. Right? Come on. I'm I'm flying. I just want to just sit there. I just want to look at that thing and just be like, man, that is me right there. And what God can do for those who say yes to Jesus and say, you know what? I can't stay like that. Tell all your caterpillar friends, I can't keep creeping along with y'all. I got to fly. And I only can fly when I put my faith in Christ. Amen? That's the only way to do it, and I would encourage you to do it and to trust him, trust him with everything. Trust him with all your past, trust him with your present, and come on somebody, trust him with your future. Trust him with eternity. You say, well, you know, come on, yeah, trust him with your future, trust him with eternity. Well, what if, what if we get to the end and he's not real? Well, at least you got to fly while you were on earth, right? What if you get to the end and he is real? What, what, what's a bigger risk? What's what's a bigger risk if if we get if if we just die and I go in the grave? Well, man, I'm glad I lived in Christ, yeah. even if if say He never. I just can't even fathom how much God has done in my life that He's not real, that Christ is not real, and we live not just by faith but by facts, right? Jesus really rose from the grave. Believe the hype about the resurrection, right? But if we get to the end and He's not real, hey, I, that's all right. It's not all right, but I, you know what? But. For those who say, man, that's a greater risk to say, you know, what, I don't know. I don't know if that whole Jesus stuff, I'm just going to risk it. I don't know if you want to risk that. It's a bad bet because Jesus is alive and he can move in your life, not just in heaven and eternity, but today. But today, right now, you can have wings and you can start to be a new person, put on this new self. Let's look back at our verse, right? It says, put on the new self. We're talking about this new self that is created after the likeness of God. Let me highlight that real quick. Created after the likeness of God. My first point in the message today on what this new self looks like, let me tell you what this new self looks like. This new new self looks like God. See, because Paul's saying Ephesians, y'all gotta put on the new self. And all the Ephesians are like, What What does that look like? Here's what it looks like. It looks like God. God created you in his image, and he created you in his likeness. God created you to be like him. It doesn't mean that he created you to be him. Stop being God if you're trying to be God. You're a lousy God. You're a lowercase, lowercase, lowercase g God. You're a terrible God. You're not created to be God. But God says, you should be like me, though. You should be creative because I'm creative. You should be holy because I'm holy. You should be loving because I'm loving. When we get like God, we start to live our purpose. That's when we start to be the new person. Because we're created after the likeness Of God, one of my favorite verses of Scripture is Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. I love Colossians 3 as a whole. The whole chapter is fire, right? The whole whole chapter, you've heard us quote from Colossians 3 often in these last three weeks because the whole chapter is about the new self. If you really want to study the new self, download Colossians 3 into your heart, into your mind, and it'll help you. 12 through 14 says this. Put on, right, that's our language, right? Put on. What are we putting on? We're putting on as God's chosen ones. That's called the church. Those who said yes to Jesus. Holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. You know who has compassionate heart? God. God has a compassionate heart. You say prove it. You are here. You're here. You're here. Come on, raise your hand. I'm going to raise both of them. If you did enough sin this week, right, just in your minds, in your hearts, to separate you from God for all eternity. but That's me. Just with our thinking, just with our sinful hearts. But we're here, right? God had had to have some level of compassion in his heart to wake us up and bring us here. So we should put on compassionate hearts. You don't just wake up on accident and have a compassionate heart. You put it on. Say, so I choose today to be compassionate, not just with my actions. Come on, well, this is deep, with my heart. Compassionate hearts. Kindness. Oh, man, I think that more people would get to know Jesus if the church would just be more kind. Amen. Can I get an amen from somebody? Amen. If we could just be a little more kind. Humility. I think the greatest virtue that Jesus had was humility. Humility. Yeah. Right? Jesus said, I didn't come here to be served. Stop serving me so much. I came here to serve you. And they can't figure it out. They're like, but you're God. And he goes, exactly. Be like me. Kind. Compassionate hearts. Humility. Meekness. Right? Jesus says that we should be meek. We should be humble. We should be compassionate. We should be caring. Considerate. Not quick to want to receive credit, meekness, and patience. Paul's like thinking about it. He's like, oh, wait, wait, wait. And, and patience. Because, come on, is the Lord not patient with us? I don't know about you, but he's been patient with me. We should be patient with others. How about verse 13? Bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, whew. Forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. You know why we should be forgiving? Because God is forgiving. We're just trying to be like our dad. God is saying, I'm compassionate, I'm kind, I'm loving, I'm humble, I'm meek. I bear with you in your burden. Come on, bearing with one another. This is a word for the church today. If you don't know Jesus yet and you don't really, you're taking the three-week challenge, keep coming back and, and get a part of this church. I hope you would. But let me just talk to my family really quick. We got to bear with each other. Like, you got a burden, now I do too. That's biblical. Your burden has become my burden, and we're going to shoulder this burden together. And we're going to work through this burden together, and we're going to help meet our needs together. That's really why I think you should get in a charge group. So you don't have to bear your burden by yourself. There's been many a times where I've been in charge group and we've been in the group and I say, man, I I got some burdens on my heart. Can I share it with the group? Yeah. Can I receive prayer in the group? Yes. To bear each other's burdens And, and, and sometimes people have complaints against each other. Right? That's okay. You don't have to like be so up in the cloud that you can't have a complaint. And guess what? When we're in Christ, you can even share your complaint. Because you know why? Because we're going to be kind, humble. We're going to bear with each other. We're going to forgive each other. This is biblical Christianity. I don't know about American Christianity. I'm not concerned or interested in American Christianity. Jesus, America wasn't even existent when Jesus was alive. Right? When he This is biblical Christianity, bearing with one another, and someone has a complaint against each other, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. It's a must, y'all. It's a must. If you're struggling to forgive somebody here today, everybody look at me. Let me see your eyes. If you're struggling to forgive somebody today, I would question if you're a believer, You know why? Because Jesus would question if you're a believer. Because Jesus says, if you withhold forgiveness, I'll withhold forgiveness. That's what he says. So what we should be is we should be quick to forgive. Quick to forgive because he's quick to forgive. Measure your level of forgiveness by his level of forgiveness for you. Look at the person next to you and say, get over it. Get over it. Because I don't want God to keep over it on me. I don't want God to be like, I'm, I wake up. I'm reminding you again of your sin you did last year. God sometimes has to tell me, and get over it. Like Jesus doesn't need to die again, does he? When Jesus says, it is finished, did he mean it? Yeah. All right, so get over it. I know it's not always that easy. I know some wounds are deeper than others. I, I, and I, I, I want to be sympathetic toward that. Right? I, I don't want to be callous because we're not called to be callous. We're called to be humble and meek and caring. But I do want to speak authoritatively because Jesus does in his gospels. And he says, look, if you withhold forgiveness, I'll withhold forgiveness. That's dangerous territory right there. It's gospel language that we're called to forgive. It it doesn't mean we're called to be best buddies. Fair? But we're also called to forgive, not just with our mouth, but with our hearts. And that's biblical. Jesus says, I got an x-ray vision into your heart. I'll know if you really forgave or not. That's what he says. That's what it looks like to put on the new self. Verse 14, and above all, everybody say, "above above all. One more time, above all. Above all these, put on love, agape love right there, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. If we really have love for one another, we can complain against each other. If we really have love uh, for each other, we can share burdens with each other. The word burden just means heavy weight. You ever have something that's heavy on you, It's just heavy on your mind, just heavy on your heart? It's just heavy. Like, what's wrong? I don't know. I just got something heavy on my mind. That's called a burden. And, and, and here's what Jesus says, right? I, I've come to take your burden. And sometimes Jesus takes our burden through each other. Right. By bearing with each other, bearing each other's burdens, loving each other, forgiving each other, encouraging each other, even sharing complaints with each other, not gossiping or slandering. Right. But this is what it looks like to put on the new self created in the likeness of God. I think all these characteristics are first God's. And so then we say, okay, I'm going to put on those things. I'm going to put on who God is. Because my identity, my union with Christ becomes who he is. Today, if you're a Christian, do you know what the word Christian means? Christian? Christian? Little Jesus. You're a little Christ. But the problem is we don't act like it. That's where the word walk comes from. Walking in in him which is where you discover purpose and you experience freedom when you're in in Christ when you're really in Christ let's keep going we'll we'll spend a lot of time there but we dig deeper into who who God is and what God is like right we're created after the likeness of God let's look back at verse 24 Ephesians 4 Um, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness in in true righteousness what does God look like This is what God looks like. Hear me, church. God looks truly righteous. God looks truly righteous. So the first point is we're created to be like God. The second point is we're created to be truly righteous. We're created to be truly righteous. And and today it's possible to be truly righteous if you know Christ. Christ. Like the first way to be truly righteous is to be positionally righteous. What does that mean? It means your position and your posture before God is righteous. The word righteous just means to be made right and to do things right. Who are we doing things right according to? According to God, right? And so to be made right with God and to do things right in his eyes and image, that is what it means to be righteous. But we're not righteous if we're honest, And if you're like, I am, then you could be self-righteous, which is not what we're talking about. We're talking about being truly righteous, which is found positionally in our faith in Christ, right? And so I want to go ahead and ask you to to ask yourself, am I positionally righteous before God in Christ? Here's where we see it. We see it in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, one of my favorite verses of Scripture. For our sake, that's such a good part right there. We could spend a lot of time for our sake. That's how much God loves us. For our sake, he made him, Jesus, to be sin. Somebody has asked, has Jesus, did Jesus ever sin? No. But he was made to be sin because of us. Our sin. Jesus took on my sin because he never knew any sin. For God made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That we might become the righteousness of God. God made Jesus. Look at me. God made Jesus to be sin. What is how? How? Because of us. When Jesus is on the cross, all of our sin gets imputed to him. And when we put our faith in him and say, okay, yeah, he's, he just took all my sin. What happens is this exchange, all his righteousness becomes yours. So all of a sudden, I'm positionally righteous, and Jesus has taken my sin. I've taken his righteousness. That's who I am. I'm truly righteous before God because he was made to be sin in my place. And now I'm able to be righteous in his eyes Because of my faith in Jesus. That's the great substitutionary atonement that we believe in when we put our faith in the gospel. Amen? Amen. Do you believe it? That's what it means to be truly righteous. To be truly righteous first is to be positionally righteous. But now the tough part is, how do we live out who we are? If we're positionally righteous before God, right, if you were to place me right before God right now, he would count me righteous, not because of what I've done, but because of what Jesus did. 521 but now practically in my walk I practically walk righteous because I want my walk to match my identity my identity is in Christ I'm righteous but now my walk has to match it I got to put on righteousness and we can through our faith amen I love how Isaiah says it, Isaiah 61.10, this prophetic word about the church. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exalt in my God, for he has clothed me, come on, with garments of salvation. Good word. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. That's who we are. We're clothed with righteousness. We're clothed with righteousness. But I'll tell you what, as a basketball player, I always struggled with the guy who would show up at the gym, and he would have the new Jordans on, the whole brand new. He just popped the Nike tags off before he got out of the car, and he walks in the gym and has never played ball in his life. He has no game. Like, yo, I got you. Or you're on my team. You look, you look like you can hoop. Never, No game. Like, bruh, you just deceived us. Right? Let us not be clothed in righteousness and have no game. Have no Christ. No righteousness about us. We're just positionally righteous. We're clothed in righteousness, but our walk isn't righteous. That's why we got to put on the new self, which looks like God, who's always righteous. Amen? He's always righteous. I was reading Proverbs chapter 11 this morning. So good, by the way. Make sure you don't go to sleep tonight without reading Proverbs 11. Do y'all know why I read Proverbs 11? Because it's the 11th. That means tomorrow I'm going to read Proverbs 12. Proverbs 11 is loaded with what it looks like to walk righteous. It's loaded. I read over 12 times in the proverb this morning what it means to walk righteous. One of my favorite proverbs on being righteous is Proverbs chapter 24. Let's look at this verse together. Come on, read it with me off the screen. Ready? For the righteous falls seven times and rises again, but the wicked stumble in times of calamity. What does it mean to walk righteous? It means you don't quit. Come on, somebody. What does it mean to walk righteous? Come on, George. What does it mean? It means that you got up again. Does it mean that you're going to be perfect? (laughs) Seven times no. And that word seven is often used to say it's going to keep happening. We're going to keep falling. We're going to keep stumbling. But here's how you can know if you're righteous or not righteous. Did you get up again? Come on. How many of y'all know somebody who quit? Right? You ever been like... Like, hey, Joey, what happened to this person? Right? Sometimes we use that language in church, don't we? Hey, Jason, where did did that happen to this person? Well, you know, they quit. They stopped getting up. The righteous person rises again. If somebody says that the Christian life is going to be easy, don't believe them. If someone says the Christian life is going to be perfect, don't believe them. If someone says the Christian life is going to say, hey, you won't, you'll, you'll never fall again. Lies. The righteous person falls seven times. But here's the good news. Because we're righteous, we just rise again. Come on, take, then came the morning that sealed the promise. His buried body began to breathe. Out of the silence, the roaring lion declared, the grave has no hold on me. We rise again. The Christian life is really about rising again. Just rise again. You fell into sin yesterday, rise again. You fell into looking at something you shouldn't have looked at, rise again. You said something you shouldn't have said to your mom, rise again. Come on, somebody, rise again. Say it with me. Say, rise again. Rise again. That's what it means to be righteous. It means to put your faith in Jesus, find your position in him, and then live a lifestyle of just rising again. Rising again. Come on, we got to keep finishing. we got to finish up this verse. Put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. And holiness. Holiness. The the third point of what it looks like to put on the new self is to put on true holiness. Right? We're created to be truly holy. I love how Paul adds that word truly in there. Right? Truly holy. Holy. Now, what does the word holy mean? The word holy, by definition, means to be set apart. It means that this is unique, that this is different. Truly holy means that I'm different than I once was. Truly holy means that I once, I once walked this way, but now I walk this way, I'm being holy. That's what it means to put on the new self, and we need to be holy, church. If we really want the world to see something different, we need to be holy, right? We we need to have an expression of holiness that the world looks in and says, that's different, and I want that. I, I read this book called The Whole and Our Holiness by author Kevin D. Young, fascinating book, um, we need to get some more of those in our bookstore. I'll try to get some of those ordered. But here's what Kevin D. Young says in this book. A dying world needs you to be with God more than it needs you to be with it. Good word? A dying world needs you to be with God more than it needs you to be with it. That's true for me as a pastor and true for you as a mother, father, brother, sister, child, grandparent, friend, Bible study teacher, computer programmer, bank teller, barista, or CEO. Your friends and your family, your colleagues and kids, they don't need you to do miracles or transform civilization. They need you to be holy. Amen? They need you to be holy. They need you to be holy. You don't got to walk on water. You just got to be holy. If you just live a day-by-day lifestyle of holiness, your kids are going to see it. Your family is going to see it. Your coworkers are going to see it. Students, your your, your classmates are going to see it. Your friends are going to see it. That's what this world needs. This world needs for the church to be holy. That's why Peter, right, the disciple Peter, the apostle Peter, in his letter of 1 Peter, He writes about, church, we need to be holy. We'll close by looking at these verses. Therefore, preparing your minds for action. This is what you're going to have to do, church. You're going to have to get your minds ready for action. Prepare your mind. We talked about that last week, right? Take every thought captive. Renew your mind. Guard your mind. Right? Renew your mind. Replace your mind. Pray for your mind. Prepare your mind. For action because this world is action-packed right especially if you're on social media a whole lot of action a whole lot of fake action <laughs> and being sober-minded that's a word for somebody I don't want to have this argument with you is alcohol a sin or not just be sober-minded you figure the rest out cool do whatever you want just make sure you stay where there that's where I would say Because you got to prepare your mind for action be sober-minded not because you have to but because your mind needs it to set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ that's a good word think heavenly-minded as obedient children do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance that's the old self right the old self is our former ignorance don't be conformed to the old self. That, that looks weird. You're a new person, but you're, you're putting on caterpillar clothes. Could you imagine if the butterfly just kept trying to, like, crawl on the ground? This would look different, right? No, that's not what you're made to do. You're, you're a new creation. But as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. That's what he says here. Bless you. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am Holy. Right, this is a direct quotation out of Leviticus 14. Peter says, the Old Testament says we're supposed to be holy. When did we lose that? Because God is holy, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And let me promise you this. I'm going to close with this promise. It's a promise. You ready for this promise? If you're ready, say ready. The more holy you get, the more happy you'll become. The more holy you get, the more happy you'll become. Our minds will deceive us and say, the more holy I get, the more boring I'll become. It's a lie. It's not true. The the more holy you'll get, the more happier you'll become. The more I inch closer to holiness, the more I see God use me. The more I get more holy, the more I become more like Christ. So put on true righteousness... Put on true holiness. You're already holy positionally, so live holy practically. Be holy with your walk. Be holy with your talk. Be holy with your eyes. Be holy with your mind. Start doing the stuff that you're going to do in heaven. You're going to be holy in heaven. What does Jesus pray? Father who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as be holy. Be righteous. Come on, let's read Ephesians 4.24 as we close. Let's read it together. Ready? Put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in truth.